Good morning, child of God. And well, we are starting, we've been in a kind of a, the no series series, you know, we've been talking about these one-off uh, issues one at a time, and the last was on our vision Sunday last week. I apologize for my voice, it, the spring has sprung, and uh, this happens to me every year, um, sometimes a couple of Sundays in the year, but uh, allergies, eyes itching, sneezing, all that fun stuff, you know. You're all going through it with me, aren't you? <laughs> so we're starting a, a new series, uh, The Joshua Generation. I'm excited about this series. God laid it on my heart, actually on the drive back from an elders meeting. I'm driving home and it's like the, the words from the beginning of Joshua chapter 1 were just ringing. Uh, one, that's one of the questions, you know, what we were talking about, what series and, and kind of what's going forward. And uh, so I began to read again, afresh and anew, and it came to life for me for the moment in which you and I are living, too. And so I hope it becomes uh, a, a teaching from the Word of God, obviously, first and foremost, about what God has to say to us in this moment, but also about the contemporary things that you and I are facing, that I believe as never before, that you and I are the Joshua generation, and God has raised us up and equipped us. And, uh, you know, I know that even as parents, and uh, we're older than most of you here in the room, and, uh, you know, I will speak for me, I guess, not Michelle. She's very young. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we often find ourselves lamenting about uh, how church was in the past and how things used to be. And yet, at the same time, we can see that God has prepared us for this moment. He knew we would live in this time. And even more so, some of you who are younger, that God has prepared you and equipped you for right now. There might have been a time before I had this understanding that I might have said, boy, I hope you know, we don't have to raise our children in a generation like that. You know? But now I'm realizing they're equipped for it. God has equipped them, right? He never uh, gives you know, birth to another generation uh, on the planet without equipping them for what they are to do. And so they are equipped and so don't feel sorry for them if you're thinking about how things used to be. You know, get excited for them because God has equipped them for this time that they're living in right now. So you've got children, you've got grandchildren, some of you may have, like we do. Get excited for them because this is what God made them for, right? No accidents, you know, they weren't born in 19 and 20 or 19 and 30 or 19 and 40. You know, in, or 1950, or 1960, or 1970, they were born into right now. And uh, this new uh, century, this new decade right now that we're in, in the midst of one year into, they were equipped for this, all right? Amen. They are the Joshua generation, and so are you. That's why you're still around and breathing. God says, hey, you are a part of the Joshua generation. You are for now, not just for yesterday. So it's really, really neat. I was in a pastor's conference uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, one of the guys stood up, prophetic word, and just, he was a young man, he's probably in his late 20s, and speaking to the, to the old guys, to us, and saying, pastors, we need you. God has equipped you with wisdom and strength and power, and he's saying that he's going to use you in these last days mightily. And I believe that. I believe God has called us into this moment and into this hour and until our very last breath on earth. God has equipped us for what he has called us to do. We're looking at Joshua chapter 1, 
as we start with confronting the obvious. So the Joshua generation begins by confronting the obvious, right? So here we are, Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. An old joke from our, that pastors learn in Bible school, right? Who grew up and had no father? Joshua, he was the son of Nun. It's a bad joke. Okay. <laughs> Joshua, the son of Nun. Uh, Moses' assistant saying, and this is how God speaks to him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua's like, really? I thought he was sleeping. <laughs> right? You know, this explains all the mourning and crying that's going on, God. God says the obvious, right? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to which the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel, every place, read this with me, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Now, from the wilderness and uh, this Lebanon, as far as a great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and the great seas forward, going down to the sun, and uh, shall be your territory. And listen, much of what God is saying right here is so already so obvious, because this goes back to the time of Abraham. God's saying, I'm going to give you a land, uh, a promised land. And so this is not news, right? This is obvious, and, but they're here. And so God is speaking to the next generation, all right? No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. You may deserve to do according to the law um, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Not the pages, right? From your mouth. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong, let's read this together, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Father, we thank you. As we begin this series, open our understanding, our eyes and our hearts to the characteristics that are fine-tuned by the Holy Spirit in us, that we might be the Joshua generation. We are here in this time because what was past is past, and what we are facing we are equipped for by your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when someone points out the obvious, it sometimes gets offensive to us, doesn't it? <laughs> 
about a quarter of my role in my first ministry position uh, was church janitor, right? And uh, so that was what I always dreamed that I would be doing when I got into ministry, right? Uh, you're going to be vacuuming, dusting, cleaning toilets, you know. And uh, that was about a quarter of the role. I had to do that to get the full paycheck, right? It's about a quarter of my paycheck uh, as, as a full-time young minister was going to be involved in being just the church janitor, right? And cleaning up. Now, because I was the church janitor along with other things, some people thought that their role was to point the obvious out to me. So quite regularly, uh, I would be walking along in the church and someone might say something like, someone needs to dust the piano. And, you know, the someone is obvious, right? The, uh, someone might come along and say, hey, there's a vacuum out in the youth room. You know, it's like, I'm powerless to touch it. It's just there. I can't unplug it and put it away. You are the janitor. Please go and remove the vacuum from the youth room, right? Lights are burnt out in the classroom. I cannot replace lights. I just can't get my hand up like this. It just, it doesn't work. So would you please go replace lights? You're the janitor, right? You know where they are. And uh, no one ever comes and asks you, where are the lights? I want to replace a light bulb. They, the lights are out. Go take care of it. Um, those chairs in the hallway need to be moved. You know, someone would come and say something like that. But this was the best one. This would happen to me um, with some frequency. But it usually would happen when I was with somebody, like somebody brand new that we're talking to after service or something like this. And here I am uh, engaged in this conversation and trying to impress them of how great our church is and how great I am, right? And uh, so this would t typically happen right then. There's no toilet paper in the men's restroom. <laughs> but in reality, this season of my life was really good for me. It really was. And it helped me to develop patience and to not get offended so easily. It also helped me to recognize the importance of all the little things and the big things that go into making the day that we're having here, too. That it just doesn't happen. That there's somebody that comes and vacuums, and there's somebody that straightens up chairs, and there's somebody that cleans restaurants, and, and those things are important. And there's a team that sets up for media, and there's, you know, there's meetings that take place between you know, pastor and worship leaders to get the worship set uh, to align with the series and the messages and things that are going on. So there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, and this, this was a good season for me to understand that. It, church doesn't just happen, right? It is prepared for, it's planned for, and that's the way that it should be. But for all of us, life is, is filled with these wondrous reminders of the obvious, and you have them in your home too all the time. The computer doesn't work. Have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? <laughs> yes. Honey, the toaster isn't working. Have you tried plugging it in? Does that work? Where is my sh Have you tried the closet? <laughs> we might say something like, Honey, what do you want me to do with the dirty dishes? Wash them. <laughs> or this one. This is real common. Uh, Lawrence heard this a lot. What do you do with a drunken sailor? <laughs> Shave his belly with a rusty razor. <laughs> Our life is filled with the obvious, is it not? <laughs> Even Kim's gotten kicked out of that. 
We are, we are constantly reminded, aren't we, about the obvious. The lawn needs mow. The, you know, we, just, we know these things, and we have them in our mind. It's not that we're absolutely not going to do them, but it is, it is the obvious things, and we're just kind of stuck from, from doing those things, right? We're just, uh, and, I, and I think in some instances, we're, we're often frustrated when people point out the obvious to us. Our, our preoccupation with kind of, you know, uh, having some kind of... Um, consensus on things so that we can move forward or the stranglehold it creates some kind of a stranglehold around us at times we are taught to kind of sanitize our lack of commitment and uh, you know we used to say lay blame and justify you know uh, why we're not doing that right now that's obvious it needs to be done but here's why we're not we're not doing that right now and some of us even get discouraged in the mission that God has given to us because we have really refused to do what God has asked us to do, and things are not going along as we thought they should. And, and the big lesson out of that is, and it's the lesson of the Joshua generation, is that God never gives us a second word till we obey the first, right? And so God spoke to Moses and said, get those people over the river and into the promised land. And they kept refusing to go, right? And, and, and as a result of that, you know, there's no second word. <laughs> Wandering around the mountain waiting for God to say something different, you know? Okay, I'm going to make this a luscious valley in the desert, and since you don't want to go over there, we'll just create a place for you here. There will be springs in the desert, and, and there will be greenery, and there will be trees and shade, and, and cattle will just come walking up to you and say, kill me so we can eat and have a good meal. And oh, we just, we, the, the things that you and I uh, sometimes are pushing back because we don't want to do what God said, right? But we find that nothing in life or ministry ever happens apart from courage. Somebody, somebody has to pull the trigger, right? The very nature of leadership is that it is a prophetic statement of where things ought to be, right? And a leader steps up and goes, this is where it ought to be. This is what we ought to be doing you know, right now in this season. And, and that's what the Joshua generation is all about. It's, a, it's about stepping up to the plate and saying, you know, this is the way things ought to be. And we're going to live like they are that way. And that God wants them to be that way. And we're going to show the way so the people who are hungry, who are tired of what's going on, people that, that are looking for a real answer for their lives are going to be able to find it as they follow our lead, and we lead them into the presence of the Lord. Moses is dead because he disobeyed God. He allowed the pressure of those following him to get to him, and he acted in unbelief. And so now God has commissioned Joshua to carry on. And we open by reading, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. This is a pivotal moment. And it's pivotal in the sense of it's, it was very obvious. Joshua knew this. Everybody knew this. They were going through mourning. They were, you know, their connection to God, by and large, had been uh, through Moses. They had been seeing God through Moses. And this was a big, big deal. This is huge for them that this leader who had their direct connect to God is now gone. Who is going to speak God's word into the camp? Who's going to give direction? Who's going to give insight? Who's going to lead us now? And God's got an answer for that. 
My question for you this morning is what happens when God points out the obvious in your life? How do you respond to it? When God points out that you uh, relied upon to, to get you here, all the things that you have done that brought you to this place right now are dead. And you know it, but God points it out in a way that you can't deny it, right? What brought you here is no longer going to take you one step further. God says it's dead. It's behind you. Everything that got you here, not that it wasn't wonderful, not that it was great. For those of us who've been around church life, and we had all kinds of wonderful experiences, great potlucks, right? <laughs> awesome services, outpourings of the Holy Spirit. God says, that got you here. But that's not anymore. What you have now, what I've set before you, is something different. And he's basically saying to us this, unsaddle the dead horse and get moving. <laughs> and and here's, here he says it in this passage, now therefore arise and go over the Jordan, unsaddle the dead horse and move. Oh no, he didn't say that. Now therefore arise and go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I am giving to them. The children of Israel, every place the sole of your foot will tread, I have given you as I said to Moses. God's just a reminder, like these are mile markers for you. Moses is no longer. I said it to him, I'm saying it to you now. It's the, it was the truth when I said it to Moses, it's the truth when I'm saying it to you. It's as powerful as it was for Moses, it's as powerful for you. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, he goes on to say, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. I will also be with you. And what he's saying to them is the time of mourning is over now. We are the Joshua generation of our time. And he's like, you're going to see Moses again. That's the thing about Christian grief that Paul is talking about. We grieve when we lose loved ones. But we don't grieve as the world grieves because we grieve with hope. We know we're going to be reunited. This is a short separation for us. You know, as I was entering this decade, it just seems like yesterday when I was the church janitor, right? I have memories of, of people and things that were going on. Time goes by like that. It's so fast. And, and I'm going to be ushered into the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to see all the loved ones that, that have, and all the people who mentored uh, were older than me, that mentored me, that are gone on to be with the Lord, we're going to all be reunited. It's going to be an awesome time. And I think many of them are just going to like turn around and see me coming through the gates, and they're going to go, wow, you're already here? Said, what time is it? Like, we did, I feel like we've just been here. You know, and, and, and it's so fast. And so this is what God's saying. Don't get fixated on spending your life grieving someone that I placed to lead you to this point. You have a mission in front of you, and, and you need to get ready to move forward. There are greater things ahead of you than behind you. We are the Joshua generation of our time. So he's saying, stop lamenting how things used to be. We are never going back to those days. So for you and I, now the days going forward, they include things like social justice activism, a global pandemic, right? Gender dysphoria, critical race theory, progressive Christianity, global climate crisis uh, and concerns that are going on. And, and our day requires a Joshua, not a Moses. Yes. 
Our day is different. And, and this is the day of the Joshua generation. Moses brought us to this point, And here we are, you know. And God's saying, now it's time to cross over and take the land and move into the territory that I've given to you. What is different about Joshua that, that made him the right leader for this moment in Jewish history? Uh, then Joshua commanded the officers and the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days, we're going to cross over Jordan to go and possess the land that the Lord, your God, is giving us to possess. The one character trait I want to talk with you about briefly this morning, and we're going to touch on some other character traits of the Joshua generation. And if you go back to Numbers chapter 13 and 14, you'll see this in Joshua and uh, his cohort, Caleb. Uh, it is called godly perspective. They had a godly perspective. Those who are leading in the Joshua generation have a godly perspective. Not, they're not just looking through man's eyes. Whoa, these man, look how terrible this is. Let's compare it to how it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You know, They're looking now at the opportunity that God has set in front of them. Numbers chapter 13 and 14 tells the story of how Moses sent out 12 spies, one from each of the 12 tribes. He sent them out to go spy out the land and check it out and see what was going on because this is the land that God's given us. Let's go see what's going on. And you may remember the story. Maybe you don't. I'll refresh you a little bit. The 12 spies go out. They look at all the same things. They touch all the same things. They take up the fruit of the land. Uh, we'll see that in just a moment. I mean, grapes so big, you know, that uh, to put a pole between two guys to carry the, the grapes out of that valley. It was incredible. And, and surely this is the land of milk and honey, right? It was really awesome what they were seeing. But 10 of them not only saw that, that God had provided for them, but they saw giants and armies and fortresses that were mighty in their eyes, and that scared them. And so they brought that fear back to the camp yeah. and told everyone, you know, there's, it's, you know, it's a really a good land, but problem is there's great people there who can defeat us and kill us. It's, it's scary. We shouldn't go. It's terrifying. And so these 12 came back with uh, different reports. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, you know what, yeah, there are some giants in the land, but God has promised us and God has given us this land. Let's go anyway. It's not our battle. It's God's battle. We've never been victorious in our own might. You know, we've never succeeded at anything without God's help. So why would we rely on us right now? Yes, we don't have the greatest army in the land. Yes, we don't have uh, all of the tools that, that people think you might need to go to warfare. But we have God. And let's, let's trust him, let's believe in him. What do you do when God calls out the obvious? In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3, God spoke to the children of Israel in advance of getting to this crossing, right? Because they were circling Mount Sinai over and over and over again because they were afraid to go into the promised land. And God spoke these words into their life. You have compassed this mountain, you have a, you have compassed this mountain long enough Turn and go northward. 
It's, it is a direct word that God's speaking into our generation right now, into our life right now. You have been circling a mountain long enough. It's time for you to take the territory that I promised you. It's time for you to take the community. It's time for you to take the city. It's time for you to rise up and be all that I have called you to be. Wrestling with the obvious seems to be the new American pastime, right? And, and your past is dead. My past is dead. It's behind you. But what's in front of you is the opportunity to possess the territory that God wants to give you. So here's a little word picture for you. Here's us. Here's you, okay? If God, my circumstances would change, I, I know if my circumstances would just turn a little bit that I could do more, right? And here's God. Moses, my servant, is dead. <laughs> now get up and arise and go. Here's you. I don't have the money, the time, the opportunities that other people have. Here's God. Moses, my servant is dead. Now get up and go. Here's you. I'm just not a leader. No one listens to me. Haven't you seen? Nobody's really following me. Here's God. Moses, my servant is dead. Now arise, right? Here's us. What if, what if, what if? And here's God. Moses, my servant, is dead now. I want to just point out the obvious to you that there is nothing else for you to hang on to, to lean into, to wait on. You are the Joshua for this moment and this generation. What do you see when you look out into the world right now and what's going on? Do you see a mountain or a molehill? Do you see God or do you see the problem? Do you see the obvious or the God who pointed it out to you so that you can move on? <laughs> you ready to unsaddle the horse that's dead and ride off with God where he's taking you? We get stuck in the very hole that we dug. God keeps reminding Joshua of the obvious. Yes, Moses, my servant, is dead. But I want you to know this. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. Yes, Moses, my servant, is dead. But I want you to know this. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He's saying, bury what is dead and move on. I love the church that I grew up in and that time period. I have so many great memories and people that impacted my life. Their fingerprints are still on my life, but it's different today. It's different. It was changing in my, uh, you know, when, when my generation was coming up and even before. But America has, it has changed a lot. And Christianity now, you know, when I was growing up, we, we would have missionaries come in and they would tell us about these great fields that, that God was leading them to where the gospel really had never been preached. Opportunities that they were getting to go places where people had really never heard the gospel before. It seemed impossible, you know, that there were people like that. And it was amazing to hear these stories and see the pictures and the videos that they would show of places they were going where people had never heard the gospel before and now they were being reached. But I've got news for you. There's a brand new mission field today. And it's called the United States of America. 
For Christians, this is no longer a Christian nation. It is a missional nation. It is a nation that you and I are being called to be missionaries to, to show them a better way. And it's the Joshua generation that's going to demonstrate it. The Joshua generation is outnumbered. They're marching into a land they've, uh, where people have already settled in and they've built their high walls and their forts and, and uh, they have their armies and they've taken advantage. They know the lay of the land and everything else, you know. And Joshua just kept moving from conquest to conquest. Boom, 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 just taking him down over and over and over again because it wasn't him, it was the God in him, right? Yeah, it's the God in us. That is going to, to make, uh, send out the clarion call and help people be able to see the difference between faux religion and true Christianity lived out in our world and our nation. We are missionaries now. We are no longer the majority in our nation. But here's the good news. God has prepared a place for us right now. Then they came, this is out of Numbers chapter 13, 23 to 25, to the Valley of Eshcol. And there cut down a branch with a cluster of grapes they carried in between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and fig leaves. Uh, the place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down. This was a, a valley that was about two miles from Hebron. Still bears the, the, this fresh spring that feeds the, the creek there still bears that name, Eshcol, today, in our day. And they returned from spying out of the land uh, after 40 days, 40 days of spying. And here was their, all their report before, they told, before the 10 told the bad news. This was the report of all of them. They were in unison about this. We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And they brought out those grapes and they brought the figs and all the things that were in that land out of abundance. And so this is, this is truly what God said is true. But those who didn't become a part of the Joshua generation had a fear. And they would focus their, their attentions on the enemy. And Joshua and Caleb were raising their voice saying, hey, you know, God's big. He's always delivered us. He's always taking care of us. We just need to focus on the fruit, right? Focus on the good land. Pick out a place where you want to build your house, right? Because this is the land that God has given us. And as he was in going, uh, Joshua again in this opening chapter, listen, I want to remind you of the obvious. Moses is dead. I'm going to be with you as I was with Moses. I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. Everywhere you go, I'm going to go. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. This morning, God is present to help us confront the obvious and get ready to invade the land that God has given to us. I'm not afraid of what is happening in America. I am encouraged by the army that God has raised up. One of the things that I think, you know, we've discovered all of us as Christians uh, across our nation through what happened in 2020 and the opening of 2021 is we discovered that the church is not as big as we thought it was, right? That there were a lot of people, and we've talked about this in, in our church family a lot, that were fans of Jesus. They're fans, but they weren't really followers. They really liked the things that, 
But when confrontation came, when difficulty came, when challenges came, you know, they didn't know where they belonged. They were hard to get plugged in again and, and get connected because they really were just fans of Jesus. And, and now it's hard. And that happened in Jesus' day, too, when, when he went to the cross. And, and there were a lot of fans of Jesus that couldn't hang out. They were fearful. They were afraid. But what happened in their hearts over the succeeding days turned them from fans to disciples. The resurrection and what happened there turned them from fans to disciples. True followers of Jesus Christ committed to what he's called us to do. The enemy wants us to hide. He wants us to keep quiet, to stay on the side, this side of the fence that the enemy is building to uh, imprison our nation and our communities and our world. But God has called the Joshua generation to push fences down and to invade the darkness. Right? The Joshua generation is listening to God, not to the enemy. And so I'm not discouraged by what I see happening out there. I'm encouraged by watching the true church. Maybe not as big, but more powerful than we ever believed. Amen. Whether two or three gather together in my name, there I am in their midst. And so we're seeing the power of the church. In our uh, circle right here, we have seen answered prayer. We were rejoicing this morning over the good news with Emma. And we had come together as a church and prayed. Doctors didn't know what was going on. And this is really common. We're seeing this stuff. And we were crying out to God for this seven-year-old little girl. God, doctors don't know what's wrong. You know what's wrong. You're on the throne. Show up in a powerful way in that hospital. Do a mighty work. And we're seeing God do those things over and over and over again. I mean, 2020 and 2021 for us here as a church family has just been one miracle after another in terms of healing. Just watching God, we, people that, you know, got sick and we, we prayed for them and they, they rallied and God raised them up and a miracle took place in their life. We're just seeing God do great, great things. Needs that we've had, we've seen God provide for. Just walk right up and just be a blessing uh, to us as a church so that we can continue to do what God's called us to do. And that's what the church is all about. It's powerful. Amen? Maybe not as big as we kind of thought in our minds, you know, that we were going to get there. We're going to get there. I really do believe there's going to be a last day revival that we're going to see in America. But it's going to happen because the Joshua generation starts invading the land. Stop hiding on the sidelines. Here's what God says to you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, when you, you know, we, we uh, the corporation name for our church is Grace Christian Center. We branded Grace Place. And we said to you, the reason why is because it's, it's not this location on 1500 Royston Lane. Your grace place is in your heart. And when you go to HEB, maybe prior to you getting there, you know, nobody had hope, right? People were, marriages are in trouble, uh, families are feuding, uh, children are sick in the hospital, whatever might be happening as people are walking up and down those aisles selecting groceries. When you walked in, a place of grace walked in. A place of opportunity, a place for Jesus to visit 
and minister to someone. And he sets up these little divine appointments, these encounters, where you just kind of turn the corner and there you are, face to face with someone who starts a conversation and suddenly it touches your heart. I was talking to someone this past week, was on the construction team, started talking about their life and discovered they were homeless, have a job, but they're homeless. And, and God laid it on my heart to pray with them and to uh, encourage them and to minister to them. You know, these are just little divine appointments that God sets for the Joshua generation. Because <laughs> greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world, right? 